Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm so glad that you're tuning in again, or maybe this is your first time. Either way, I'm glad to have you. And as the intro says, I'm your host, AJ. Hey, I'm glad that you're listening today. I'm, I'm picking up with part three of this series, Him We Preach. This is part three. You saw the title, Him We Preach, part three. If you're just now joining me, this is the first time you're tuning in or you're hearing this message, this study that we're going to do today, and you've not listened to uh, part one and part two, I would highly suggest it. Now, you could just start here and then go back and listen, but if you want to hit pause and then go back to part one, I would suggest it. And while I'm mentioning previous episodes, if you haven't already listened to the two interview episodes that I've done, the first one was with Evangelist Preston Shuttlesworth, um, and then the second one was Pastor Chris Vaughn. Man, they are so good. You need to go back and listen to those if you haven't. They bless me. So much wisdom, so much insight from both of those men of God. And hey, after this uh, episode, part three, next Thursday, I'm so excited about this. I'm going to be releasing another interview episode. It's with Pastor Cade Young of No Limits Church, and you may actually better know him as the founder and creator of Collaborate worship. Let me tell you something. You've got to listen to that interview. That's next Thursday when this episode drops or that episode drops. Remember, every Monday I've got a wake-up call for you. It's a quick hit devotional from God's Word that gets your Monday, your work week started. And then every Thursday, a longer teaching session. And next Thursday, come back right here at the Faith for My Generation podcast for that exclusive interview with Pastor Cade Young. And we're going to be talking a lot of things, but specifically from his book, Jesus ain't woke. And he and I, and I think you will add as well, neither am I. All right, well, back to today's topic of discussion. We're in the book of Colossians chapter 1. We've been reading through uh, verses 24 through 29. And before I do that, I want to read the key point that I'm covering in these three teachings, this being the third. Him we preach part three. Ready, set, go. As a Christian, I have Christ in me. This is the key point. As a Christian, I have Christ in me. This is the hope of glory and the solution to the problems of a sin-sick world. Having this hope, this gospel, I'm responsible to God to preach Christ by warning, teaching, and presenting all those who believe to God despite persecution or sufferings. And I do this by the power of God in me. Let's read Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Verse 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh, what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. That was part one. Verse 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches 
of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was part two. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man, and all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Him we preach, part three. Remember the first two parts, and I'm not going to go in deep uh, review. Again, if you want to go back and listen to those, hey, please do. But remember, him we preach in persecution and suffering. There's a cost to follow Christ, but the cost is so small compared to the glorious reward here and now and in the life to come. Him we preach by becoming a servant. You want to be like Jesus? Become a servant. Him we preach, we reveal this mystery that's been revealed to us. Him we preach, Christ in us. Brand new territory, let's break some new ground. Point number five in this series. First point for today. Him we preach, warning, teaching, and presenting. Warning, teaching, and presenting. Colossians 1.28, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The Bible is showing us here that the fruit, the purpose of having Christ in us is so, among other reasons, You understand it's not just one. Obviously, Christ in you means you're saved, so you have salvation. That's a reason. But one of the many reasons, and I would say a very large reason, Christ saved you so that you could bring salvation to other people. Jesus wants to build his church. And in fact, Jesus is building his church on the earth. Matthew 16, 18. And I will build my church... The gates of hell will not prevail. Well, let's, I'm messing that up. Matthew 16, 18. Let's just go to the text so I don't have to rely on memory. Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's referring to verse 17 where Peter was, verse 16, Peter says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, we talked about this in the last episode, part 2, this mystery that's been revealed to us. Jesus said, you didn't come across this alone, but the Father in heaven revealed to you that I am Christ. And Jesus is saying, upon this rock, upon this foundational truth that I am who I say I am, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Christ is building his church. And the way Jesus builds his church is through people who believe on him. When you believe on Jesus, you have a responsibility to tell people about him. We're going to see this in the second point today, the last point in this entire series, but we do this by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a many-faceted, a multi-faceted, rather, would be the correct word, multi-faceted ministry. 
He does so many things. He produces his fruit in us. He produces his gifts. I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as we see in the Bible, are for today, for the church today, whoever desires and believes on them. They can receive those things. But the Holy Spirit does many things. Convicts sinners of sin. John 16 tells us that. John 6 tells us that. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. John 16 tells us that. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Christ Jesus. Revelation tells us that. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace and supplication. Zechariah 12 tells us that. The Holy Spirit also is the spirit of power. Acts 1, who empowers us to witness. And Jesus builds his church through you. Now, how does he build his church through you? It's not just saving you. It doesn't stop there. If Jesus just saves you, the work is incomplete. Because it doesn't stop with you. There's something called a war, let's, let's call it divine multiplication. Jesus is about multiplication, not addition. What do I mean about that? What do I mean by that? Go to the book of Acts. You've got 120 disciples, apostles, and disciples, followers of Jesus. The 1 Corinthians 15 tells us there were 500, roughly 500 people that saw Jesus ascend to heaven. Out of those 500, 120 actually obeyed his command and tarried or stayed in the upper room in Jerusalem until the Spirit of God fell on them and clothed them with power. Luke 22, 24, verse 49. Stay there in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, clothed with power from God. See, when you're saved, the Spirit of God fills you. But there is a continual, not a one-time event, but a continual desire and petition that we must have. Lord, clothe me with your power. Fuel me to overflow with your, overflowing with your power. Now, those 500, only 120 stayed. So what is that, 25%? Is that right? 4 times 120 would be 480. So roughly 20% stay make it through. They're clothed with power. <clears throat> Acts 2, you see them? Miracle of God. They start speaking in all these different languages, or speaking in tongues, really. Speaking in heavenly language. And all these people from different nations, by the Spirit of God, hear their own language. It's a festival in Jerusalem. They hear their own language. And they begin to say, whoa, these people are drunk. Peter says, no, 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 it's way too early to be drunk. <laughs> I always think that's so funny. And then uh, he preaches the gospel to them. And right then, 3,000 people get saved. A few chapters later, 5,000 people get saved. Men, it says men, so husband, you know, men. But if you're a good husband and father, you're going to go lead your children and your wife to Christ too. So, I mean, divine multiplication, daily added. I think it's Acts 8, daily added to the church. People were daily added to the church. Jesus is all about divine multiplication. He wants to see exponential growth of his church. And you see that. That's the way it works. It's like a snowball effect. You know, you ever think about a snowball, maybe in the cartoons where you see that snowball, Bugs Bunny, he rolls the snowball down the hill toward Daffy Duck. They're always at odds with each other, aren't they? Well, really not at odds. Daffy doesn't like Bugs, and Bugs just always has got his number. So that snowball's rolling, and it gets a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, and all of a sudden it gets so big it can't be stopped. That's the way the kingdom of God works. But how does, it, how does it do that? How do we get to that point? 
well, three ways here. Him we preach, warning every man. It is our job to warn people. Just like a caution light, when you're driving down the road and there's a caution light, it's letting you know something's up ahead. Maybe it's a caution light for a reduced speed because you're going through a school zone. So slow down because there's kids. Maybe it's a caution light to let you know that there's a railroad ahead and there's a train coming by. And so maybe it's around a sharp turn. And so the lights let you know, hey, that it's blocked. It stopped. Go ahead and start slowing down. We as Christians are caution lights. We're signs, caution signs on the, on the road of life. You're going the wrong way. We tell, the, we tell the world, we tell people, we tell our friends, our family, our loved ones, the way you're going is leading to, will lead to destruction and death. Here and now in this earth and in all eternity. Damnation and hell. And sin doesn't just take you to hell, it destroys your life here on earth. Turn. Don't keep going down this road. The bridge is out. If you keep going, you're going to die. Now, every person has to make their, their own choice whether they're going to serve God or not. But it is not a choice. It is not an option for you and I as Christians to warn people. Ezekiel 3 verse 16. Now it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Verse 20, again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, and he shall die, because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. The Spirit of God speaking to Ezekiel gives us a biblical principle here. We that know the truth of God have a responsibility and are required by God Himself to warn those who are going the wrong way. To warn the wicked. Who are wicked people? People who practice sin. You know, it's it's so funny. I say funny. It's not really as pitiful. But some people act like they got saved uh, like not out of necessity, but because uh, out of technicality. Have you ever met that person? Don't be that person. There's some people, not a lot, but I've run across a few people. They got saved like as if it was just a necessary technicality. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, I'm say, I, you know, I got saved when I such and such. But you know, I wasn't really that bad of a person before I got saved. You know, I didn't really, 
I didn't really do bad things and stuff, you know. But I mean, I, I believed on Jesus when I was a certain age, you know. No, before you make Jesus Lord of your life and you receive Him as Lord, you are a sinner. I was a sinner because we're all born into sin. Romans 6.23, For all have fallen. No, I'm sorry. Romans 3.23, All have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person is born into sin. It's within the nature of humanity because of the fall of Adam. When Adam and Eve, Eve was deceived, 1 Timothy tells us that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. Adam volitionally, voluntarily, followed his wife into sin. She was deceived, but he made a choice to sin against God. And that brought all of humanity under the weight and curse of sin. And so... It's not like a technicality. Well, I was a pretty good person, but yeah, I guess now I'm saved. No. All men must be saved. Ye, me, ye must be born again, John chapter 3, as the King James would say it. You must be born again. You want to go to heaven, you're going to have to be born again. And once you are saved, and once you are born again, you have a responsibility to tell other people about the truth. A watchman, it says Ezekiel is as a watchman in my header, and in my, in my study Bible, verse 17, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Ezekiel was made a watchman for his nation, Israel. This is Old Testament. So the message and the word of God was given to the nation, the nation of Israel, the people of Abraham. But we understand that the mystery of Christ is this, that all men might be saved that believe on him. So you and I are watchmen of our nations, watchmen of our city, watchmen of our families, watchmen of the world. We are to stand out on guard and on post and say, look, the way you're going is leading to death and destruction. Now, as it says right here, the wicked and the righteous, whether it's a wicked man that continues in sin or a righteous turns from righteousness back into sin, we have an obligation to warn them on behalf of God. They have a choice whether they will obey and turn but we must tell them the truth. We have to warn people of the consequence of sin. We have to warn people. We must. We're required by God or their blood's on our hands. This is a, this is a, a solemn, sobering thought. If I keep my mouth shut, and I don't tell people about Jesus and show them the way to salvation, their blood is on my hands. Mm. That's a fearful thing. It should, it should put a, sh a shiver, a chill up your spine. I know that's a heavy thought, but it's, a, it's something you have to come to terms with I have I have the key that will unlock the door of life. And if I withhold that key, if I don't tell people how to to get the, that key, believe on Jesus, then what I've done it, you know, it's like here's a better example. 
If I withhold that key, they can't get on the other side of the door. I'll finish that thought. But here's a better example. You and I are firefighters. A house is on fire. We've got a ladder truck. There's people on the second story. They can get out. All we've got to do is lay the ladder against the window of the second story. But instead of moving that ladder truck and putting the ladder out to the window of the second story, climbing to the top, say, hey, come this way, come down quickly. We just stand by and watch with the ladder truck on the street side. And the people just burn to death. Now, if I go up to the top and I take that ladder up to the top of the second floor on that window, hey, this way, come on, come out. And people say no, and they run the opposite way into the flames. I can't stop them. But it is my responsibility to give them a means of escape, to tell them. And so him we preach, part of living for Christ, part of being a witness for Christ is warning people. You know what? This, this may not win friends instantaneously. This could even draw persecution. This could even get some kickback and some hate. But you have to make a decision. Are you going to live in fear of man or will you fear the Lord? John chapter 5, Jesus says, you seek glory of man, but as long as you do see, seek the glory of man, you'll never get honor from God. You can't play both sides. If you, wanna, if you want to be honored by God, you cannot seek the glory from man. Because in order for you to get glory from man, you're going to have to play by his rules. And part of that is, don't tell me when I'm doing something wrong. The Holy Spirit's already convicted me. I don't need you on my back too, which you know, understand. We we're not on quote unquote on people's backs, but you do need to make a definite stand for the truth of God's word, and tell people, look, man, why are you doing that? Why are you messing with drugs? It's going to kill you in your body, but it's going to kill you in your spirit. How's Jesus going to be Lord of your life when you allow something else to be Lord of your life? That's what addiction is. And why are you messing? Why are you messing with alcohol and drinking till you're getting drunk and, and abusing yourself? Giving yourself over to something that controls you. Why? Man, why are you sleeping around? Look, don't play this game. Why are you lying? Look, I know the world's trying to sell it like it's something that's going to make you happy, but at the end of the day, when you lay your head on your pillow, you know you're not happy. You need to, you need to quit this game, man. It's going to kill you here and it's going to kill you forever in a place called hell. You've got to be real with people. I have to be real with people. And, and, and that is a necessary thing. I can't allow the blood of people to be on my hands. Him we preach, warning every man. We look for opportunities to warn people, to direct them to the path of life. Next part, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 teaching every man in all wisdom. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to add to that just quickly, Matthew 28. Notice what Jesus says here in the Great Commission to you and me. Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus spoke and came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching 
them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We are commanded to make disciples. Some people like to harp on this, and, and I understand where they're coming from. You know, you got people, well, bless God, I'm not just about altar calls and how many numbers we can get down in the front or how many people we can get to say the, a prayer of salvation. I'm about making disciples. Yeah, you should be. But then there's the opposite side of that. Bless God, you know, I'm not about making these disciples. I'm about winning them to winning the loss to Jesus, and then I let the church take care of it. I believe if the ministry gifts that are in the body of Christ do what they're supposed to, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher, and the church has a spirit of, of the great shepherd, which is to lead and take people in and nurture them and grow them and feed them, that uh, we will do that. We'll win people and make disciples. But it's not a one or the other. You, you're not going to make a disciple until you win them to Christ. So you got to be a soul winner. And if you're going to be a soul winner, you need to be a teacher. And, and I know I mentioned ministry gifts. I, I feel sometimes I may, I don't think I do it too much, but I don't ever want you, you who are listening, you're called by God. Now your calling and the gift and talents that God's given you, which is pure and holy and just, and you will have to give an account for, it may be a mechanic, a nurse, a teacher, a soldier, a, a doctor, a YouTube content creator. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever God's called you to be, be it unto the glory of God and use that calling as a position to build the kingdom of God and win people to Christ and teach people about Jesus. You, as a Christian, this is Colossians 1 is written to a church, a body of believers, you and I. It's not written just to people in quote-unquote full-time ministry. Uh, one man said, I, I can't remember the, who to attribute this quote to, but a pastor said this, all Christians are in full-time ministry. It's just some stand behind a pulpit, and most stand on, out, you know, go outside the church. And it's true. Every single Christian is in full-time ministry. Find opportunities and ways to not just warn but also teach. Now, okay, so this is going to bring you back to yourself. You need to be constantly, daily, have a habit and a routine and a system to pray and study the Bible. Because you can only teach people what you know. Parents, I'm a parent. Now, again, man, I'm just so, I'm so thankful that you're listening. And regardless of where you live, who you are, how old you are, I find it amazing. I, I it makes sense. Podcasting is a, is a millennial Gen Z media platform or means of communication. I get it. But man, it's like 60 some odd percent of every one of, of you guys listening is between 18 and 24. So I think that's so awesome. I think that's so cool. But understand this. You can only tell someone about what you know. And, and the example I'm using or was about to allude to, here I am a parent. I'm 31. I'm not old. I'm young. I'm young. Don't tell me I'm old. I'm young. 31. Well, actually, 32. March 15th. Wow. At the time that you're listening to this podcast, I've already turned a whole year older. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh, pray for Grandpa Bible. No, I'm kidding. I've got a lot of life left in me. But here I am. I'm 32 and I'm a parent. And I realize it's easy for me to teach my daughter things because she's learning very, very simple things. Right? The alphabet. Words. Dog. Cat. Cup. Shoe. But there will get to a time and place, depending on what she does, what the Lord calls her to be and do. When she get, let's just all right. Let me just shoot straight with you. When she gets to high school and she's doing pre-cal, she's past the point I can help her because I did bad in pre-calculus, real bad. Then I go to college and I find out I have to take calculus, and I'm like, I barely passed pre-cal. I'm not a smart man in in the sense. Uh, you know, uh, of, of book learning for uh, for certain things. But, uh, you know, I, I don't have to be a genius to realize that if I didn't do good in pre-calculus, I'm probably going to do really bad in calculus. If I didn't get the pre-course, <laughs> I'm, I'm really not going to get the main course. And it proved to be true. I did like a C in pre-cal and a D in calculus. My goodness. And I'm pretty certain the reason I got out of calculus with a D was because the professor was kind to me. I don't know, man. I, it was rough. But my daughter's when she gets to that method of math, and it just, I'm good with math when it's like actual numbers, accounting. Like, I'm good with accounting math. But theoretical, abstract, what I call abstract math, for you that are, y'all that are engineers, you think like, this is how the world's built. But to me, it just doesn't click. If she's studying that, let's say she becomes an engineer, uh, I'm not going to be able to teach her anything concerning engineering. I can tell her, you know, hey, uh, how, how to, how to, you know, balance her checkbook. But if it comes to the math that is necessary for engineering, I'm not going to be of any help. It's the same way with you and your walk with God and you teaching other people. You have to prepare yourself. You have to fill yourself up with God's Word. Study His Word. Spend time in prayer. Know Christ. The end result and end goal of us reading and studying the Bible, of prayer, of being part of church, of winning people to Christ, the highest priority of our life as a Christian is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Personally know Him. And we do that through the study of His Word, through uh, prayer and continual prayer through uh, being connected to a church, sitting under you know spirit-filled, faith-filled pastor and teaching teachers, being connected with godly men and women, iron sharpening iron. But we do that so we can know Jesus better. But if you don't know Him, you sure enough can't tell other people about Him. Him we preach, teaching every man in all wisdom. You and I have a responsibility to teach this word to other people. Now, that looks in different ways. I'm a parent. Some of y'all, you know, you've not even considered marriage yet, let alone being a parent. But if you're, if you're a parent, you understand this. You need to train up your children in the things of God. You know what? Hey, everyone listening, you need to train yourself up in the things of God. If you're a single and you're looking, you're believing God, God, God will set you in a in a relationship with a with a man full of faith in the Spirit. If you're a lady, if you're a, a man, a, a woman, He'll bring you a spouse. Psalm sixty-eight: The Lord sets the solitary into families. It's a promise for marriage. 
Proverbs 18, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and has obtained favor of the Lord. Psalms 18.22, or excuse me, Proverbs 18.22. The Lord wants you to be married if you desire to be married. But you need to be in that marriage relationship. You need to be edifying, building up one another, teaching one another, discussing the Word of God, growing in the things of God. You need to build your home around the Word of God so that you can always be ready in and out of season at any time to teach someone the Word of God. We are required, it's either 1st or 2nd Peter, it escapes my mind at this point. There's some homework, go find out whether it's 1st or 2nd Peter. But it says that we are to always be ready to give an account of why we believe in Jesus. I need to write that down, in fact. And I'm going to write the word account because that's going to be my trigger word. Always be ready to give an account of why we believe in Christ Jesus. It is necessary for us to always be ready to tell someone, to teach someone, to give them instruction in the Lord in His wisdom. Now, this is what changes people. The Word of God preached, teached, taught, sown by speaking to someone. That's how words travel. Words travel through speech. My words are traveling to your through your ears into your heart and mind through through by me speaking, right? If I don't speak, you can't hear my words. They're inside me. But once I begin to speak, you're hearing words. And these words are vehicles. Words are vehicles that carry the things of God. The word of God, or if it's the word of God, it carries the spirit of man. It carries a thought. It carries emotions. It carries uh, power to convince and teach and instruct or if it's evil words to deceive and destroy so we spread the word of god like a farmer's throwing out seeds those words of god take root and they build up strong christians and what is the end result of the word of god in the life of someone who has heard believed and taken action on that word Notice this, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. When we receive the promises of God, it cleanses us in flesh and in spirit and perfects us in holiness in the fear of God. Well, you saw that as well in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 or verse 17. What does the word of God do? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The, the uh, word of God preached, you hearing the word of God and yielding to the word of God is bringing you to a place of completion. Telios is the Greek word that's often used through the New Testament. You're, the Word of God's bringing you to a place of strength, bringing you to a place of stability. When you hear the Word of God, you act on it, you believe it, 
and you follow up your believing with action for faith without works is dead, the Bible tells us. So you have to act on it. You have to allow the Word of God to change how you live. You conform yourself to the Word of God. When you hear something in the Bible and it commands you, do this and you're not doing it, you change if you're a believer. If you're a Christian, you'll change. You'll just, well, right there. The Bible says to do that, and I'm not, so I need to change. And if the Bible says don't do that, and you are, you say, i got to quit. That's it. No discussion. The Bible says not to. And what will be the end result of that? It's Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears the words of mine and does them, he's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now, what if you hear the word of God and you don't obey it? You don't conform your life to it. What happens? Verse 26 of Matthew 7. Jesus said, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. See, it's not just the hearing, it's the doing. You can hear all day, but if you don't do, if you don't act on what you've heard, it will not carry any power in your life. You know what? Uh, I mentioned this in one of the wake-up calls. I don't know, a few weeks back. I can't remember exactly at this point. But uh, over the past 16, 18 months, I've lost about 25 pounds or so, 30, 25, 30 pounds. I realized I was a lot heavier than I wanted to be, and I wanted to be a whole lot more athletic. I wanted to be able to play and run and do everything with my daughter and just feel better. I'd been into lesser weights, and I knew I was carrying too much weight, too much extra fluff and fat <laughs> around my frame. I, I just had to be honest with myself. I was carrying too much weight, and I, wasn't, I didn't feel good, and I knew I could feel better if I just got all this extra weight off. And so I made a change. I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to eat a little less every day. I'm not going to do this crash dieting stuff. I'm not going to eliminate entire food groups. I'm just going to count my calories and I know that if I eat slight, uh, a slightly less amount of calories every day over a period of time, I will shed this excess fat. And I did, slowly but surely. Did, I could still eat ice cream, just not as much. <laughs> and uh, so here I am. Here's the thing, though. I went several years carrying extra weight, and I knew how to get rid of it. But the knowledge is not the knowledge did not get the extra weight off. The action based on the knowledge is what helped me, helped me get the weight off. Not helped, it's what got the weight off. Knowledge didn't get the weight off. Acting on what I knew is what got the weight off. Same way, it's so easy. Two examples that are so easy. Money and health. Because it seems like especially in the United States of America. Americans don't want to control what they eat, and they don't want to control how they spend their money. We're good at making it, but we're bad at keeping it. So here's an example with money. You can know the Bible clearly states on how to stewardship money. Here's, here's just a side journey completely for free. If you'll just read the book of Proverbs and act on it, it will make you wealthy over time. Some people may get upset with that. It's a prosperity gospel. Well, yeah, the Bible teaches you how to prosper and keep it in proper focus. Not love money, but love God and prosper while loving God. I'm smirking if you're watching the video. 
or if you're listening and you're not watching the video, just wanted you to know I added in a smirk there. God doesn't care if you have money. He just doesn't want money to have you. What about the rich young ruler? The problem with the rich young ruler was it wasn't that he had stuff and that was sinful. It was the stuff had him. The love of money is the root of all, the root of all kinds of evil. Do the book of Proverbs. Just take action on what the book of Proverbs. What does that look like? If you take action on what the book of Proverbs teaches you, you will do several things. You will make a budget. You'll plan how to spend your money before you get it. You will save money. You will pay off debt. You will invest. You will tithe. You will give as led by the Holy Spirit. You will help people in need. You will own assets that produce income. And if you do those things over time, it will make you wealthy. But guess what? Knowing that won't change your life. But doing those things will. And so here's the thing. When we receive the Word of God, whether it's you or me, we have to decide to act on it. And the purpose of warning and teaching people is so that we can present them to God blameless, holy. Present them to God perfect complete in Jesus Christ. The Word of God will not only change and redeem and transform a person, it will perfect them and bring them to a place of completion in Christ Jesus. Him we preach, presenting every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Last point. Him we preach. Man, this was a good series. It blessed me. I hope it did you. Last point. Last point of today, last point of the entire series. Point six in the series, point two of today. But the last point, him we preach by the power of God. Colossians 1.29 Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which work works in me. Mightily. That was the King James Version. I don't know if it's much different. I normally, just so you know, I'm normally reading from the New King James. But I have the Old King James that I, I grew up on. Most everything I memorize is in that, so I like it as well. But let's see if it's any different. Sometimes it helps shed a little bit extra light. Colossians 1.29, To this end I also labor, striving according to His working, which works in me mightily. Him we preach by the power of God. In order for you to be an effective witness for Christ, you can't do it in your own flesh. You can't do it in your own power. You can't do it on your own. God never gives you a command and then leaves you to do it in your own strength. Let me say that again. Some of you need to hear that a second time. God never commands you to do something and then leaves you there to do it in your own strength. Because what God commands, it's things that man can't do on his own. God's going to command you to do supernatural things. God's going to command you to do things that you have to have His Spirit in order to accomplish it. Now notice this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. 
God's going to give a command, and then He's going to give power. It's just the way He works. God gives a command, and then He gives you the power to obey the command. Acts 1 verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So they know, these apostles, that these disciples, 120 of them, they know that they have a commit, they've been commissioned to be witnesses in all the earth. Jerusalem, that's right here. So for me, where I live, Jerusalem, my Jerusalem is Lauren City. Judea! Judea is my state, South Carolina. Samaria, that's even further out, so I could say America. Into the ends of the earth, which is the ends of the earth. So you have a call immediately, locally, a little bit further out, a little bit further out into all the earth. Start where you're at. As a witness of Christ, you need to start with your family. You need to start with your friend circle. Who do you tell people about Jesus? Who are you going to witness to? Start with your family. If there's someone in your family that's not saved. Start with if there's someone, or, or maybe they have a little bit of a knowledge of God, but yeah, it's shaky. Work on them. Feed the Word of God to them. Talk to them. Love them into the kingdom of God by telling them the truth. Then to your friends, your friend circle, your co-workers, your classmates. Then go out to the people you don't know. Maybe by the Holy Spirit, you know, you just start talking to someone in the grocery store. Talking to someone in the library you don't know. You know, then you go out there. Don't, don't, look, if the Lord tells you, do it. But I would suggest you not just running out today and go stand on the side of the street and start telling people about Jesus. You can, absolutely. But let me tell you something. There is a power of leveraging your relationships for the work of Christ. Because when people trust you and know you, your words carry weight. They can see your life. They know how you're living and then when you say, look, man, you need to believe on Jesus. I love you too much to see you go to hell. I love you too much to endure hell now on earth and then live in it for eternity. This is, this is what I was missing and it's what you're missing. You need to believe on Jesus. He came and he died for you. When you leverage your relationships, you're using the trust that you've built up with people to tell them the good news of Jesus. Now notice this. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. This power, this baptizing power of the Holy Spirit, I believe, as Scripture teaches, a subsequent event to salvation. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit fills you within. Romans chapter 8 tells us, that, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. So we understand the Holy Spirit is, is regenerating and making us new in, uh, in the work of salvation. But there is a subsequent and continual baptizing, filling, and flooding of the Holy Spirit on us. The psalmist said, anoint me each day new with fresh oil. Fresh oil each day. Every day, make it a point. To start off your day, Lord, baptize me in your power. Fill me with your power. Make me a witness. Give me power to be a witness. Teach me, John 4, teach me, Jesus, to be a fisher of men and give me power 
to fish them in, in Jesus' name. Because you're going to have to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, we've all seen things that are cringe. <laughs> we've all heard things that are hokey. God bless them. Years ago, some of y'all know this. Some of you probably don't, actually. Uh, I'm, a wor- I'm a pastor here at Gospel Tabernacle Church in Lawrence, and I, and I lead worship. been a worship pastor here for several years, in praising for years. But for about 15-some-odd years, 12 to 15-some-odd years, I had a band called Three Days Leave. You can still check us out. Our music's on iTunes and Spotify and all that jazz. The number three, Days, D-A-Y-S, if you don't know how to spell Days, and Leave, L-E-A-V-E, Three Days Leave. Christian rock pop music. Man, we had so much fun. We played so many places all through South Carolina and North Carolina. had a great time. But I remember one time we went to go play this event. The, the guy said, well, it's going to be an outreach, outreach event for our church. We're trying to build up our church, start a church plant. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's build the kingdom, man. Let's do it. We get there, and uh, needless to say, he all knew we went to a other, another church, but he kept trying to like, hey, you know, y'all would be a great worship band for our church. Okay, first rule of thumb if you're building a church. Don't build your church by stealing people from other churches. Things Jesus wouldn't do. <laughs> There's enough people in the earth that need to hear the gospel and be saved that you don't have to go to other churches and steal them away. And don't and then you know it's like it's like adultery, man. Like if you're stealing people from if you're if you're trying to get people to be faithful to the church that you feel God's called you to plant and you do it by taking them from other churches, don't you know that they'll just leave and go to another one when something else comes along? It's like it's anyway. Anyway, but the point I'm making, this guy, precious guy, unfortunately, he was a flash in the pan a few years and he was out, got tough and is done with it. It's a sad story, really. But why is at the event, he's got this t-shirt on and it says, these are my church clothes. And no joke, I doubt he'll ever hear this this episode. If you're listening, my friend, I love you. But but this is not how you win people to Jesus. The shirt said, "These are my church clothes," and he ha- and he is like, "Hey, you know what we wear to church?" Okay, remember, I'm like 17. Okay, well, what do you wear to church? He said, "What I got on right now." He had on a T-shirt that said, "These are my church clothes with flip flops and blue jean cargo shorts." Okay, I don't wear blue jean cargo shorts to begin with. <laughs> Though I love the I love the uh, functionality of the large pockets on the side of the shorts, but let me tell you something. When I w- when I would wear cargo shorts, I would have so many accoutrements, so many things in the pockets that it just was like I've got these one pair of camping shorts that have massive cargo pockets. And let me tell you something. So much junk gets put in them. It's like why why not just carry a backpack? Why do I have thirty pounds of uh, accoutrements and extra things and EDC everyday carry stuffed in each leg pocket? <laughs> But that was his selling factor. That's how he was, in his mind, thought he was going to get young people to come to his church. Bro. You know, again, red flag. (laughs) Bro, I wear flip-flops to church. You should come join me. Everyone likes their own style of clothing. Personally, I love getting dressed up. I wear a suit tie all the time. 
I find reasons, not just church, but I find reasons to wear a suit tie. I mean, I just like looking sharp. I just enjoy it. If you like being casual, cool. What I would suggest, regardless, whether it's church, funeral, weddings, job interview, just look nice. Comb your hair. Men, keep a clean-shaven face, or if you're going to grow facial hair, trim it up. These are just life hacks. <laughs> Brush your teeth. Wear deodorant, right? It's cool. What you Wear what you want to wear. But, it, you know... Make make sure the shirt doesn't look like it came out of the dirty clothes. If you want to wear a t-shirt, wear one that's not wrinkled. All right, I'm done. I'm done being a dad for a second. <laughs> but that was his, what he felt was going to draw young people. I wear shorts and flip-flops to church. Problem. Like, that's not the power of God. Anyone unsaved people could say, hey, we have a club and we wear shorts and flip-flops. Come join us. You understand what I'm saying? Like, there's no power on that. Hey, we play this kind of music. Cool. Everyone likes different music. I, the church I pastor here, we are a multiracial, multi-generational church. We play four or five songs in worship every Sunday. You're going to get an old-time hymn, camp meeting type song. You're going to get a CCM pop song. You're going to get a black gospel song. You're going to get a worship song. I mean, every time we meet to worship, you're probably not going to like all four songs, but I, I'm, my goal is that you like one of the four or five songs we do because they're all so different. Because our church has all ages and all people and all backgrounds and all colors and all professions. So, hey, we play this kind of music, come to our church. Hey, we talk this way, come to our church. We, our church looks like this. Our look, church looks traditional. Our church looks contemporary. I'm not harping on any of these things as if they're bad, but it's not the point. The point is we preach Jesus with the power of the Holy Ghost. Everything else is extra. What we wear, what we sing, how we look, what the sign, the logo, the branding, it's all extra. What matters is, have I paid a price to carry the power of God so that when I tell people about Jesus, it's something more than a natural hook. It's the power of the Holy Ghost drawing them into the kingdom. We preach Jesus with the power of God that works in us mightily. We preach Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit move on? Again, I'm not picking on people's stuff. I get it. People like different things. I like leather chairs, hardback books, leather boots, denim jeans, you know, <laughs> There's certain things I like. I like old school 1960s John Wayne Westerns. But I realize there's a thousand and one genres of movies. Right? I like what I like. I like black coffee, French press, pour over, strong, Early in the morning, black coffee, nothing else in it. That's what I like. But some people want cream and sugar. Okay, cool. Whatever. But the point is, with, with the gospel, we preach Christ. 
but it has to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit empower? What does he move on? It's not the stuff. It's not the mechanics of the church. Mark 16, verse 20. And when they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Give me one sec. I want to look this up in another version. Yeah. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. I've got another text comparison here. I know this may not make for the best of audio right now, but we're learning here. Hold on. I'm going to get this iPad working for, my, working for me. Mark 16, 20. Amplified, they went out and preached everywhere while the world were, Lord kept working with them, confirming the message by the attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied, accompanied it. The Living Bible, that's Amplified that I just read, the Living. And the disciples went everywhere preaching, and the Lord was with them and confirmed what they said by the miracles that followed their messages. The Good Word Version. The disciples spread the good news everywhere. The Lord worked with them. He confirmed his word by the miraculous signs that accompanied it. New Living Translation. The disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. The Holy Spirit moves on the word of God. The Holy Spirit moves on the word of God. It's not the type of worship. It's not the type of clothes. It's not good marketing. And let me tell you something. The church in America, many Christians have fallen prey. And many people who have a desire to see churches filled with people, and I, I desire the same for my church. As long as there's a heaven and a hell, Pastor Joe Spence said this, as long as there's a heaven or hell, church growth is not an option. You've got to win people to Christ. And that looks like a church growing. How do you know you're doing that? Your church is growing. The church is growing. The body of Christ is growing. But the Holy Spirit moves on the Word. Nothing else. And, and I see this in, in the, the churches in America. People get caught up with all the stuff. And the stuff is not what the people that are dying in sin are looking for. They're not looking for stuff. They're not, they don't care let me tell you something. I've seen it so many times. People dying in sin who need the truth of God's Word to be saved and be set free, they don't care whether you're wearing wingtip Oxfords or rainbow flip-flops. They don't care whether you're wearing a three-piece suit or jeans with cut holes in it. <laughs> they care if all they care about is can... Is, is what you're telling me, is it going to set me free from my sins? It's John 12, 21. And these men came to Philip and they said, let me, let me read it, let me read it. This, this is what people care about. This is what people want. John 12, 21. And they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida of Galilee and asked him saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. 
And that's what people want. People want to see Jesus. People want to see Jesus. It's not about what you wear. It's not about what you, how you look. It's not about whether your church has pews or it has folding chairs. It's not whether the lights are on or the lights are off. Whether there's smoke and lights, a little bit of lights, no lights, stained glass, pipe organ only, electric guitars, drums, a vocalist with backing tracks. We want to see Jesus. That's what the world wants. And it's by the power of God we do this. Zechariah 4, 6. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Him we preach by the power of God. Make it a point. Not just for your own sake, but for the sake of your family, your children, your friends, your classmates, the people around you. People who are dying on their way to hell, make it a point to not just know Jesus for yourself, but to know Him in His power. And, and ask the Lord, Lord, baptize me in Your power. Make me a witness filled with Your power so that You will confirm Your Word when I tell people about it. What does that look like? People getting set free from addiction, miracles of healing, Words of knowledge and wisdom. I mean, I'm talking about Bible results. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. And the way He works through His people hasn't changed. Whew! Tell you what, as Brother Hagin used to say, I have preached myself happy. I have podcasted myself happy, my friend. <laughs> hey, I'm so thankful that you've joined me. I'm thankful that you've listened. Hey, if you've listened this far... You, you know what? Well, you and I are friends, right? We're best buds, aren't we? <laughs> and if we're best buds, if you haven't already, leave me a five-star review here on the podcast channel. I know I use Apple Podcasts. I'm assuming you can leave me reviews on other platforms as well. If not, what you could do is you could stand on the street corner with a megaphone and say, I really like Faith for My Generation podcast. Check it out, bro. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that you're listening. If you if you would find it within your heart of hearts to leave me a five-star review, I don't ask that because like, oh, wait, hey, I got another five-star review, yeah. I say that because it helps me move up in visibility so more people can hear the truth of God's Word. If, you, if you're watching on YouTube or these videos go up on YouTube, I, I do video podcasting, so I'm building out the YouTube channel as well, so those things, check that out. I have I'll have all these links in the in the description, the podcast description. I don't know why I'm trying to pull out an accent. I'm not very good at that anyway. It's probably a a, colla, uh, a collaboration of several really bad accents. But I'll put all those links in the podcast description. If you're able to share it on the interwebs, the social medias, the Instagram stories, the Facebooks, do it for me. I'd appreciate it. Because here's my desire. I want to see people saved and set free from the power of sin, made, made into powerful believers by the teaching of the Word of God, see people discipled. And I just, I got one desire. I want to see the kingdom of, the, of, of Christ. I want to see the church of the Lord Jesus Christ be built and grow and grow and grow. And I believe Faith for My Generation podcast is one way that the kingdom of God is going to grow. Because we have a desire to shake and shape this generation with the power of God's Word. And remember this, we are the faithful.
God bless. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.